Welcome to another edition of the Oscar Central Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob. Uh, and today we have a sort of different show for you. Um, we have two amazing guests, Anna and Zoe, are going to be on. And we're go- actually going to do a more review, which kind of works because the website's doing reviews now. So go check it out. Um, but we're going to be doing a more review-centered podcast over Blonde, which I'm sure everybody wants to talk about. Um, like I said, we have our two, uh, our first guest here, Zoe, Anna, Zoe, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, and Anna, how are you? I'm doing stupendous this morning. Perfect. Um, and we have the regulars, Kinsey. Hello. I am so excited to have this discussion, especially with everyone that's here because... I think this movie warrants a discussion, whether it's the discussion Andrew Dominic had in mind, who knows, but I'm here for it. The discussion, Um, not the movie. We also are here with Zen, I mean, Adriano, (laughs) how are you? How dare you? (laughs) How are you? I was good. (laughs) Your name still says it. Yeah, your name still says it on Zoom. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yes, you roasted yourself with that one. <laughs> that was yeah. like, that one's on me. But fuck you anyway. <laughs> um, Nicole, how are you? I'm good. I'm very excited to roast. I mean, talk about this movie specifically with this group of people. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I am as well. First off, I want to start it off by saying. Um, talking about what we saw this week and if any of it has any Oscars potential or anything like that. Um, I'll start with one of our guests, Zoe. Uh, What have you seen this week? Is there any Oscars potential? All that sort of stuff. Um, I think all I saw was Don't Worry Darling, um, which I'm actually a defender of, hot take, but (laughs) I don't know if there's any real Oscar potential with it, unfortunately, because of the widespread critical consensus. Um, But the costumes and sets alone should be, in my opinion, regardless of what you think of the script. Um, So I'm not that hopeful for it, but maybe the guilds can help it out. Okay. And Anna, have you seen anything this week that you have deemed Oscar worthy or just seen anything this week in general? I watched, I went and saw See How They Run because I just wanted a fun time and I got a fun time. So unfortunately, no, it's no Oscar prospects, but it was a fun time. It made me smile and I would recommend it. Um, I My Don't Worry Darling plans got squashed, so I did not get to catch that yet, but I will. Um and that's that's kind of it. Awesome. Um, going from one uh, Cersei Ronan fan to another, Nicole, have you seen anything this week? Yeah. So similarly, I also saw Don't Worry Darling and see how they run. Uh, Don't Worry Darling in a just world would definitely get in for costumes and production design, maybe even cinematography. I don't know if that'll happen, but I also don't think we can like totally count it out yet. I think it's going to sort of depend on how the campaign goes. And the one thing that you can guarantee for it is that people have been talking about it, which I do do think, you know, is going to mean that Oscar voters are going to see it. So we'll see if that translates. 
I also saw See How They Run, which I loved. It is one of my favorite movies of this year. I don't think it will break into the Oscar conversation, but I do think it's something that we should keep an eye on for BAFTAs. I think it's very likely to show up there in uh, multiple categories, probably. Otherwise, I also watched Do Revenge, which is not, I love the reaction I just got from everyone. Um, It's not an Oscars movie, but it is definitely worth seeing. And also, I'm just going to say, if you are listening to this and you're going on Netflix to see what's new, watch Do Revenge. Do not watch Blonde. Um, It's a great film to really fun lead performances and the way that it like pays homage to a lot of like teen films that come before it, like Heathers and Clueless and Cruel Intentions is so incredible. So highly recommend that one. Amazing. Um, Adriano. I saw a couple things this week. Um, <laughs> I, I also saw See How They Run. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It should like be a slam dunk for a production design, but that'll probably not yes. happen. Um, I also saw Do Revenge, which like, I was like, I was watching. I'm like, this is supposed to be terrible. Why is this? Why am I enjoying this? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sophie Turner, the woman that you are. <laughs> that was. I, I remember seeing. Her, I'm like, I'm sorry, she's in this now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I saw Moon Age Daydream in IMAX and I loved it. It was so sick. In a just world, it would maybe not win, but like it would get a documentary nomination. But I I'm holding my breath on that one. Um, I saw. Tiff legendary the legendary Tiff oh film we for real it's on Amazon and I was like okay well I'm watching it now and it, it and I think it's our picture front runner even though it came out in 2018 yeah uh, <laughs> no nah, it's fucking stupid anyway uh, next movie I saw and I and I also saw Don't Worry Darling which is fine about the first two acts I was like riding a awesome high I was like this rocks y'all are tripping this is awesome. Then the third act kicked in. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, it took some turns. I was and it took some turns. I was like, OK, no, no, right. I, I get it now. I see it. I see where it's coming from, even though I think the fact that it has a 30 on Rotten Tomatoes, that's bonkers. But, I feel like uh, that's a universal experience of people watching it, though, being like, yeah. what are you all talking yeah. about? This is. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. I apologize. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a it's a it's a very well made movie and the cast is great for the most part. Um, it's just that third act kind of dips a lot. So yeah, yeah. I'm planning on seeing it next week sometime. Uh, Kinsey, what about you? I I saw Barbarian again, which um, oh, best I need best, to see that. I, best picture, best picture, I, supporting actress. I had like quite an experience with it. I took my friend, who's very against scary movies because she can't handle them. She took an edible or two. We had an experience. Um, the smile trailer really like did it to her. So she was terrified. She had no idea what was coming. She literally left the theater at three points. Um, but then I almost went and saw Don't Worry Darling because Zoe was like peer pressuring me. She's like the audience experience because I got to see it a little early like with just like two other people. So it kind of was like not boring I just didn't get the experience that mm-hmm. everyone is describing but um I saw Avatar for the first time I did what James Cameron wanted me to do I saw it in IMAX in 3D they gave me the little glasses I was like good lord um but I saw it if you live in LA the Grove just opened an IMAX theater it literally has the new car smell 
It is so crisp. I hate the Grove. I'm against the Grove, but go to the Sphere. Um, but it was so good. And I just am in disbelief at what James Cameron is going to drop in December because that movie is from 2009 and it looks like it's from this year. I don't understand. I know they remastered it, but like, what a movie. I mean, obviously it's just Fern Gully in space, but like, it is truly incredible. And then, um, I did get Netflix again so I could watch Do Revenge. I just have not had the time, but I did get the service again. And maybe we'll attribute it to the Crown trailer being leaked, not dropping officially, but yes. I saw something else and I cannot remember. Um, I was hoping Jacob would like be like, you saw this. I don't remember. I went to the movies on Tuesday if anybody saw me. Um, Is that when you saw Moon Age Daydream? No, I saw it last week. That's what I thought, too. Oh, my God. What did you see on Tuesday? I don't know. I know I went to the movies on Tuesday. I I distinctly remember you. I just want to say, this movie sounds terrible. Yeah, I just, like, whatever it is, it clearly has no Oscar chances. (laughs) Because I don't remember it. I don't know. I'm going to look it up later. But, yeah, I... (laughs) Barbarian again. I just, like, I'll transition to Jacob. Jacob, tell, tell the world about Barbarian. Oh, yeah, so... The every everything people are saying about it being a spiritual sequel to *Malignant* is so true. It is unbelievable. <laughs> like literally, not like unlike unbelievable. It's like yeah, I can't believe what happened. Um, go see it. It's again, it's comedy first, horror second. Um, love it so much. Uh, I also this week saw the. Uh, peacock pete davidson movie meet cute which was fine but i also saw what should be our best live action short in the guillermo del toro's pinocchio's behind the scene which was absolutely gorgeous the designs the lit like the little tiny pinocchio and the giant Pinocchio. i can't wait for that movie can not wait for that movie um he should host the Oscars. Yes, absolutely. No I one talk loves about... movies more than him. When he no. had the big Pinocchio head, and then he was like, and we also use this one. Yeah. It's the smallest Pinocchio you've ever seen. I was that like... was the cutest thing I've ever witnessed. <laughs> I love him. I would die he for him. Like, yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Um, moving on to some quick news about Don't Worry Darling, because I see a lot of people saying it is flopping which doesn't really make much sense. It's um, very much not. <laughs> it brought in almost $20 million on a $35 million budget. Um, I guess I'll just open it up if anyone wants to take the lead. I'll start with Kinsey, I guess, on thoughts about the, uh, the haul from Don't Worry Darling. So, like, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I know Thursday it did, like, serious numbers. And then, Mm -hmm. obviously, word of mouth just, like, kind of torpedoed it. Um, But for me, everyone I know that's very, like, offline or just not a movie person has asked me about this movie and also gone to see it. Like, my parents went to go see it. They're movie people, but they're very offline. But they liked it, and they thought it was, like, a fun time at the movies. And I think, like people don't really realize like this is like an original movie and Mm -hmm. it's I mean I know Chris Pine and Florence Pugh are pretty famous but they're not like 
like actors every single person knows so I think like for what it is it's really impressive and then like other than like the woman king overperforming the last few weeks at the box office have been awful so Mm -hmm. seeing it like uptick and say what you want but this movie is has like at least three women and primarily in the ensemble that are like at the forefront that's so impressive and it's an original movie and like sure there's a lot to say about Warner Brothers and what they're doing and how much they're trying but like I think this movie did well I kind of thought maybe it would do literally like 10 and no one would see it because of everything going on but you can't count out the Harrys the Harrys Mm -mm. they're not gonna let it flop they're they're not gonna let it like they they're gonna go see it again okay truly my sister's already asked if we can go see it again um but I will say to anyone who hasn't seen it yet it is a very fun theater experience at least it was for me like hearing everyone react the first time Harry yelled some woman literally was like woo um and then everyone (laughs) in the theater laughed and then every time he would yell we would all kind of giggle because we were like that woman's having a great time (laughs) (laughs) which was also me rowdy screaming like start them now like, like make it you happen gotta, you gotta go yeah like, you can't next wait time i see it i'm gonna yell at a certain line that chris pine has um <laughs> i but... think i did yell i think i literally was I like oh dramatically gasped and my sister <laughs> turned me and goes are you okay and i was like yeah i'm fine this movie i'm better having, now this movie having chris pine and harry styles like they knew what they it's were doing lot. they like, really they did knew what they were doing they were like we're and gonna get this demographic and this demographic and this one like they, they literally like- said we're gonna get all the like gen z girlies and then like their older sisters <laughs> but no truly also I just want to say it is so nice to see two films overperforming at the box office that are both you know led by and directed by women like the fact that both the woman king and don't worry darling are doing better than they were projected to do is amazing and I really do think like don't worry darling is also going to do super well overseas um I think the word of mouth on it is fantastic. All of my classmates in grad school have been asking me about this movie and are like, yeah, I'm going to go see it with this person or whatever. Like, I really do think it is fantastic to see a movie like this. It's not part of a franchise doing this well and having this kind of word of mouth. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to do some quick talks about that because I've heard some. Before you sign off on Don't Worry Darling, everyone's complaints have nothing to do with Olivia Wilde about the movie. I'm just saying, like, say what you want, but the direction is great. She has a few lines that I laughed so hard at, like something about wine and the gardening joke. I. Um, I'm just putting it out there. Bunny and Alice in this movie are me and Kenzie. Literally, I was I was like about to say, uh, ironically enough, Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde's chemistry was pretty good. So good, yeah. so good. I kind of like wanted more of them. I'm sure there's a reason we obviously don't have yeah. more of them, but like I wanted more. I'm just saying, like, if there was a fight on set, a screaming match, it would have been a thing to behold. They, I can't they, imagine they kept it behind professionals. I would have, I would have liked to have seen. It. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen it. I would have liked to, um, you know, just be around them in general. Yep. Also, the the hair and makeup of that movie, I, like, this is what, why we expanded it to five. Like, you're yeah. not going to give X a nomination. Get, put this in. Like, I, it's so good. It's so beautiful. Especially, you know, um, Harry Styles, eventually. Mm-hmm. 
there's there's a look of his that um i'm sure it took a lot of work i'm sure it took a lot of work i know and i wish we were like more receptive to films that have mixed you know reviews in like the tech categories because i feel like oftentimes it's so easy to discard anything that isn't acclaimed and i'm like that doesn't mean it wasn't well made like like all the the time to be fair it goes better if they're period films in costume and hair makeup and this is in a way a period movie okay i was trying to figure out at the guilds where does this go because it is i I know yeah for what is what i think last night soho went period and that's like a similar Mm -hmm. thing ish that's true yeah that's that's a good point because they they could push it in like Either. A couple of different categories. Yeah, they could yeah. be like, this is contemporary or this is a period. Like, they could say it's sci-fi, technically. They could, actually. They could just go all three. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine just they go all sheet. three? They're Throw like- it at every category and see where it sticks. <laughs> I'm sorry to James Cameron, but Olivia Wilde is here. <laughs> His worst nightmare. <laughs> Do worry, James. Okay. So now that we're all happy and laughing and everything, let's get into. Let's what have we that end. Came here to talk about, yeah. Uh, Blonde, upcoming newest movie from Netflix, uh, following the uber ultra, unbelievably fictional life of Marilyn Monroe. Um, I will open it up to, I'll let Anna talk first because she has her mic muted. Uh, what were your initial thoughts and what kind of background information did you already have on Marilyn, the novel, Dominic, um, all that kind of stuff? Wow. Well, my initial thoughts, I'm visiting home at the moment. Um, so my initial thoughts were, um, I need to, shut this off when my parents come inside um but I it actually took me two sittings to get through it um because it is nearly three hours and it's a lot to take in emotionally um it's a it's a lot um I didn't Mm -hmm. know know a super ton about Andrew before this um I love I grew up watching classics. I grew up watching I Love Lucy. Um, Audrey Hepburn's one of my favorite people of all time. So I used to, there was a point in my life I used to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's every day in middle school. And I thought I was like a cinephile and like, same. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I had the, um, the poster from Ikea of her for Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah, I had that. I, I thought I, I was that, that girl. Yeah, I, I did too. I definitely, I still have a picture of her on my wall. I, I, but Hepburn's a whole nother story. Um, and I am excited for the Luca film with Rooney Mara starring Audrey, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, but yeah, and so I've, I've loved classics. I've loved Marilyn. I've, I've loved her films. And, you know, watched the documentaries on her and on her life and like, you know, read some books about her. I have not read Blonde though. Um, but so this was definitely a shock, I think, because there's, there's this quote from Marilyn that's like Hollywood's a place, um, they'll pay you a thousand dollars for a kiss and 50 cents for your soul, something like that. 
And when I finished the film, that's the first quote I thought of because I'm like, if you had taken that quote and, and kind of made it the central idea to your film and like, you know, focused on what she went through and how Hollywood is a place that like chews and spits out, especially actresses, um, that could have been so powerful. And so when I finished it, I was really sad and just like disappointed. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Um, I will. Uh, I'll wait for Kenzie's because I feel like she has a lot. Um, Zoe, what about you, Ask the second guest? What were your initial thoughts on Blonde? All right. So um, I told Kenzie this. I have not actually had time to see the movie yet, but I've read the book. Um, so I had oh, some perfect. choice words about the idea to adapt this book um, when it was announced. I was really interested because I love Andarmas. I was like, oh, this seems totally like a big Oscar bet, like huge best actress contender. Um, and I love Marilyn Monroe. Like I also grew up with a bunch of her old films. I love Some Like It Hot. That was probably my favorite. I watched it so many times growing up. Um, so I sought out Blonde. I used to like try to read a lot of the adapted contenders ahead of time. Um, and I was really thrown off because I think I was expecting something a little more conventional. I'd never read any of Joyce Carol's four other novels. Um, but this was like really psychedelic and, you know, like pseudo fictional. Um, and her writing style, I just, I didn't really chive with in the beginning. Um, but when it came to, you know, like the talking fetus and, you know, the sexual assault, I was like, I, I don't know. I kind of thought it was like spitting on her legacy, um, which has already kind of been tarnished by men as it is. And I thought it was really weird that a female author would do this to Marilyn Monroe. Um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, I like uh, The Assassination of Jesse James, you know, Andrew Dominic's first film. Um, and I haven't seen, actually I have seen Killing Them Softly, but barely remember it. So that tells you a lot about that movie. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think I've, I, I liked his first movie, but I've kind of been thrown off by the way he talked about Blonde um, and like the whole quote about, he's not running for office, so he doesn't really like give a fuck about what people say about like the movie, um, especially women, which I think is really off-putting. Um, so yeah, not the most excited to see it, but very, especially after everything I've heard, but yeah, that's where my mind is at. All right, uh, Nicole, what about you, initial thoughts? Okay, so I, like probably everyone else here grew up watching a lot of classic films. My mother always had Turner Classic movies on. So I saw a lot of Marilyn films sort of growing up and she was never sort of one of my like favorite actresses. Like I never had like a proper Marilyn phase. Like I had an Audrey Hepburn phase, uh, but I always, you know, was sort of aware of what she went through in Hollywood and sort of was very interested in her history sort of as a woman in the business, not just as an actress, but, you know, sort of the personal side of all of it. And I'd seen, you know, My Week with Marilyn, which whatever else you can say about that movie, I think that it is a lot more respectful of Marilyn as a person and really has a better intention in terms of showing sort of what she dealt with. Uh, and I had not read Blonde, but I had heard Kenzie talk about Blonde, uh, the novel. And so I went into this and, you know, I was sort of knowing that I wasn't going to like it and, and already horrified based on 
the comments that have been made um, both by director and also by Ana de Armas, um, who's an actress that I generally like otherwise, but the way that she has talked about Marilyn has been very off-putting um, and, and almost, I think, veering on disrespectful. Uh, and so I think that, you know, watching it, I was expecting the worst and somehow it was worse than that. Um, the way that this film goes out of its way to be like needlessly graphic, I think is frankly weird. Um, the anti-abortion angle on this movie is completely strange. Um, and I just think it's very disrespectful of Marilyn, of women, of women in Hollywood, um, of women who've dealt with mental health issues. It just is literally bad in just about every way a film can be bad from a moral standpoint. Uh, and, you know, I do think that it has become an interesting litmus test, though, of, like, people who give Blonde five stars are probably not people you want to associate with. Yeah. <laughs> um... You know the meme too stunned to speak or like the TikTok um sound that's like yep. Mulan was too stunned to speak. That's all this whole panel is right now. I literally watched everyone mute themselves as I said that. <laughs> so when you're listening to this podcast, um please allow like the five second of silence because we were all muted because <laughs> I said what I said. Yeah, yeah, it didn't subtweet. Wow. Yes. Um I will go to Adriano first before we get to the to the big one. Um, Adriano, uh, what were your initial thoughts? Um, so I guess, like, well, for starters, I say like my stance on Marilyn Monroe has always been like kind of neutral. You know what I mean? Like, I I like her. I'm not like diehard for her or any or anything like that. Like, I acknowledge, you know, the what makes her great and all that shit. But you know, I never really cared that much. Um, but going into this, well, at least before reactions start coming out, I, I went in with a bit of an open mind and like kind of giving Angie Dominic the benefit of the doubt because I do respect him. Well, did. Um, um, uh, and then the reaction started coming and I was like, oh, fuck, uh-oh. <laughs> then I saw the movie um, and I'm just, the majority of the movie, I'm just like, why am I watching? Like, what, what is the point of me watching this right now? Like, and the Armas is genuinely terrific. Like, I, I, I can't knock it 100% on his technical standpoint because it is, for the most part, well-made and Darmus is tr genuinely terrific. But just, it's just, give the poor woman a break, Christ almighty. Like, it was just three hours of just beating Marilyn Monroe down. And I'm just like, like I can acknowledge that the movie's not meant to be in enjoyed, but it's like, have a point to it you know what i mean and it's it's like like i gotta know it's that the father isn't meant to be enjoyed per se but that has there's a reason behind it you know what i mean and a good reason whereas blonde it's just like and also we like it's just weird nonsense nonsensical artistic choices going up against uh like just tortured porn with emphasis on both of those words um, and it's like i, I don't know it's just so I, I hated this movie. I fucking hated it with a burning yeah. passion. <laughs> like, and and then just and I all I can think and 
when I got out of theater, all I can think about was like Andrew Dominic a few months ago saying, oh, Blonde is the best movie ever made. And I'm like, oh, you saw a different movie, Andrew. Well, I think some people movie. saw the same movie he saw, but. Yeah, um, touche. But um, yeah, I, don't, but, yeah. I don't understand how, like, how I, 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 okay. I know why some met some male critics <laughs> give this five out of five. I get why, but Jesus, I don't. Yeah. I'm just, I was at a loss for words when the movie ended. I was like, this fucking sucked. Like, again, yeah. Darmus is great, but fuck this movie. <laughs> um, now I'll kick it over to the person who wrote the beautiful review. I had to say, the review, 15 times better than the movie. Watch or read that, and uh, you won't have to worry about watching the movie. But, uh, Kinsey, what were your initial thoughts? So, I, like Zoe, you- I try to read all the upcoming adapted source materials just because I personally look at adapted screenplay as like what was a great adaptation, not just like, is the screenplay good? Um, First off, who writes 800 pages or whatever, like torturing a woman that's real, like was a real person, never understand. But I grew up really liking Marilyn Monroe my mom was really like careful about explaining to me that she was not the way that the industry and men talk about her that she was much more than just a sex symbol that she really went out of her way to start her own production company and she really wanted to be more than she was perceived as um so I always had like a soft spot for her And then I actually really liked Andrew Dominic's work. Like, Killing Them Softly is not a great movie. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it totally tips his hand as a Republican. Um, I don't know how I didn't realize it until Zoe was like, I don't even remember watching that movie. Because it really leans into it now that I'm thinking about it. But that cast is just great. It's like Ray Liotta, Scoot McNary, who I have some thoughts about um, how he's utilized in Blonde. Um, But the late, great James Gandolfini has like a really amazing scene in Killing Them Softly. So I, and then the assassination of Jesse James is just, it was one of my all-time favorites, but Blonde is so bad that I don't think it is anymore because I just don't want that man's name near my beautiful list of sacred movies. But I, I really tried to go into this movie not thinking I was going to hate it. Like, it was really hard, but I was like, I need to give it the benefit of the doubt. I was, when I sat down, Sophia from Oscar Wilde messaged me, this movie's far worse than you can anticipate. And I was like, what? And then the movie started. And I was like, oh my God, what did I do? Um, but this movie is just horrendous. There's no excuse for it. I don't understand like who it's made for. I understand saying it's made for men, but at the same time, it's like, it's not really because it's, there's nothing going on and there's not, I just, I don't understand who it's made for and the artistic choices in this movie. Um, what is, like, I can't even compliment the cinematography because I don't understand it. Like I thought the black and white to color switches would be, have a purpose. Like maybe it's to show Norma Jean 
versus Marilyn Monroe, but that's not it. I thought maybe he's going to use it to have a conversation about how she really was versus how she was perceived. Not it. I thought maybe he's going to be like, this is how men see her. This is how everyone else sees her. Not it. There's no reason. It was just straight up. This looks cool in black and white. This looks cool in color. And then there's like random fisheye lenses used, but like for like split seconds, not like not even 20 seconds like just there was um, a there was a scene going back to the black and white thing there was a scene where i was like hoping because there i think there are a lot of like creative choices even though they don't work or don't have any like rhyme or reason to but the scene where she oh and speaking like freely to anyone who's listening this will be a spoiler podcast and also i just want to say like i'm not very like trigger warning but like Trigger warning for absolutely everything. If you have a hard time with like any depiction of assault against a woman, don't watch this movie. Don't listen to anyone talk about it. Don't even read my Or against review. a child. Or against a child. Yeah. Um, like the opening, I just will never understand. But also like, it's just like literally like Adriana was saying it's emphasis on torture and porn like it is not an easy watch if anything bothers you do not watch this movie um I agree but uh the one time that I was hoping is the scene where the scene where she is Norma Jean and it's in black and white and she's like begging her makeup artist to come and like turn her into Marilyn I was hoping that there would have been like a on-screen transition into color but yeah no you're right it just there is no reasoning it's, behind it's not like the black and white had to have a reason for it it's just like it's so distracting in a movie mm-hmm. with literally no plot that it's like why are we doing this and then on top of it it switches between digital it switches between film it switches between aspect ratios i like there is no reason i don't understand like it just keeps flopping around and it's so distracting and there's no plot to keep you pinpointed. And then the only plot is entirely fictional, like entirely fictional. Mm -hmm. And this is a woman who you could make a nine hour miniseries and it wouldn't cover anywhere near her entire life or like aspects of her. And you just chose to not cover any of it. And the movie, the, the reason I got so frustrated with this movie is she was horribly abused as a woman, like not only sexually as a child, but like throughout her life, men abused her. And you could have highlighted that in a way that like shows what she went through was terrible. And like the business was abusive to her, but like to start her career with a fictional rape, which like, yes, the man was not nice to her, but he, she was very clear that he never, never touched her sexually like, and then to just flash back to it, pinpointing that her career could have never happened had she not been raped by a man is just so disturbing. And it goes to show the entire movie is focused on making her seem like a horrible victim, like she never amounted to anything other than being somebody to be like assaulted. And like, she has no victories in the movie. And like, Mm -hmm. sure, she doesn't have to, but like, Every victory she had in her career, he would immediately have a flashback to this rape that never happened. And I was just like, why are you doing this? And then don't even get me started 
on tearful father i understand she clearly had in real life some issues with her father not being present in her life but in no way shape or form was she waiting around her entire life for her father to contact her like i i don't understand and the letters and the weird narration of them is Mm -hmm. so bizarre and that being the only thing that guides you through the movie is just And as someone who likes like biopics or whatnot, like Jackie title card that says like this is a fable, this is a like messed up fairy tale. There is nothing of that in Blonde. Like I, I don't know if when it's on Netflix, it's gonna have something that states at the beginning that it's not accurate or anywhere near truthful. But like when I saw it in the theater, there was nothing saying it was fictional, and that is no. So there, there was nothing in my screener, and um, and Anna or Adriano, if you saw it in a screener, I'm not sure, um, or Nicole either. I didn't see anything. Yeah, I didn't see anything. That. But it's just like people are going to watch this on Netflix because my mom already texted me this morning when she opened up Netflix that it, there's already an ad for it to watch it, and it's like. <laughs> they're just going to click on it. And there are so many movies in Maryland that are not digitally available, like streaming or even available to watch that I think it is the opposite of anything that's necessary for her career or legacy because people are just going to watch this and assume it's real and truthful. And like, it's not on the audience to figure that out. Like the filmmaker and the team behind it should be very upfront about what this movie is. And it's just like, as someone who loves movies, as someone who really loves learning about like women in the business and how they started, it's just infuriating that someone who very early on took such strides in her career is going to be remembered for something like this by many people because she is, what Elvis did for Elvis Presley is the opposite of what Blonde does for Marilyn Monroe. And that is entirely the fault of honestly everyone involved. I am not one to blame an actor for a movie because they are just in the movie. But as Nicole was saying, Anna de Armas going around saying things like Andrew Dominic's being respectful of Marilyn Monroe is disheartening. But the JFK scene alone is like there's no way you filmed that and you were being respectful. I'm very sorry. Like, I know she didn't write it. I know she didn't direct it. I know she didn't choose, like, how it is filmed. But, like, you can't do that and be respectful of someone. At some point, she read the script, presumably. Also, like, so Zoe knows, but the book is, like, delusional. Like, her death in the book is absolutely insane. It is very, like, QAnon um, levels. Um... Well, here, so- let's, before, before we get into all this, because we will talk about the bad in a minute, um, let's this quickly- This wasn't even the bad? <laughs> no. I was about to say, this, this was, was just good. an initial thought. <laughs> um, let's, let's try to go around and see if there's anything good or worth mentioning. Um, and I guess I can start again with you, Kenzie. If there was anything good, if there's not, um, feel free to just pass, and then we can get into the bad- so that we can actually have a 
big conversation about the movie. <laughs> I actually love the score, but I don't like it in the movie. Yes. But like I, I will listen to the score on its own. I think it's a beautiful score. It just doesn't work in the movie. And I that's it. <laughs> um Nicole. Yeah, so um what did I like about Daddy Issues the film? Um the makeup is actually pretty good. Um, they did a good job sort of transforming Ana de Armas into Marilyn Monroe um, to what end, I mean, you know, but I also, I will say that she, I think that she gives a quite good performance in the handful of like choir moments that she's given. She just spends most of the film either like crying or yelling um, or being assaulted. Uh, and I like, she's doing well what she's been given but I also am kind of like again to what end and it feels like it's not a performance that has any sort of arc to it Mm -hmm. um which I would have liked to have seen her like try to put some sort of character arc into that um I agree about the score like I think it's a really nice score but I don't like it in the movie but like when it's on Spotify I might listen to it uh yeah no that's all I've got (laughs) um Anna what about you I did. I I can say that I enjoy her performance. I do like it. Um, I was impressed in moments, but there were many moments that gave me eye rolls. Um, you know, the beach scene with the falling and the... The, 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 the gunshot. The gun, yeah. But I do, I like Ana de Armas a lot, actually. And with what she had to work with, I really, I, I like her performance, I do. Um, I I did like the score, whether I can listen to it on Spotify and not have flashbacks, um, I don't know yet, but we'll see. Um, and then I really, there were some shocking recreations that they did that I was like, damn, that's good. Cause there's these iconic photos of her, you know, um, you can look them up and they're almost like just matching like clothing or makeup or hair, um, which is also a really good element of the film. Um, those were shocking to me in a good way. I was like, oh my God, like that looks exactly like the photo. And it was, it was cool to see that, but it makes me even more sad to see that. And I'm like, look what you could have had. Like, look at the performance you had, look at the hair and makeup and like, look at the recreations that you did beautifully. And then it just, that's all I got. Yeah. Um, Adriano, any any positives from this movie? Uh, like I said, I thought the Armas was genuinely terrific. Um, moments, like any qualms I have for a performance, I honestly don't don't blame on her, honestly. Like the lack of an arc, it's like that's the writing, not her. Um, and her, you know, her calling every male figure in her life daddy was a little cringy, but again, I don't blame that on her. Um the score is pretty sick. I like the score a lot. Um, and the cinematography I liked for the most part. There were definitely some, like, there was this one shot with Bobby Cannavale um, running up the stairs. And I hate that camera technique so much. I don't know why people keep doing that, especially in that moment. Um, I, yeah, I know. They did that weird. 
I, I even talked to Anna about this privately, uh, how like the black and white and the color thing just felt less like creative decisions and more just Dominic being like, I'm so artsy. Am I right, guys? Um, but for the most part, I did enjoy that. I did think it was well shot. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I actually have one more positive before I forget. I This movie is so bad. I forgot about it. I love Adrian Brody in this movie. I think it's like a type of performance you don't really mm-hmm. see from him because I think like he is often cast to kind of do what Anna de Armas is given in this movie, which is yell and cry. Um, and he is obviously like very comedic and you see that in some of his Wes Anderson films, but he is so soft and subtle in this movie. And personally, I've talked to almost everyone about this, but I want the Arthur Miller, Elia Kazan, like, conspiracy movie or miniseries like let Aaron Sorkin write it I think it'd be great but um he has like two scenes right like two scenes yep he is phenomenal um I wish he was in it more and they wrote Arthur Miller in a way that really stresses me out but he is amazing in this movie unlike my man Scoot McNary who is not in the movie um okay so we just had to for the sake of the review, get all the positives out. Um, now into the much longer negatives. Um, I will start, I'll start with Nicole. What are some of the negatives that you had um, with Blonde? Some of them, I guess. <laughs> so I think that my main issue with it is straight up just the script. Um, the way that the movie conceptualizes Marilyn Monroe, the way that it fictionalizes her without sort of giving the audience any indication of just how fictional this is. I don't really think when depicting a real person, there is any possible excusable reason to ever invent a rape scene. Um, I have, you know, I think that there's a difference in showing an assault that actually occurred to a person, but to invent one feels like a particular type of nastiness. Uh, but my biggest overall problem with it is just the way that they made Marilyn's entire story sort of centered around her daddy issues. The way that she incessantly calls every man in her life that the the whole tearful father storyline, the way that it opens with this depiction of her and her mother um which we also could talk about the fact that it does not feel like what they were doing with that child actor was like completely kosher um and the depiction of that I think was very strange and Uh, I I think I think I talked to Eric about it I think with the kid it's how they shot it yeah that was really strange there's a way to show a child naked running around and it is not the way they did it. It's not it, that. Well, it's one of the things where like, the big thing that Eric Anderson and I talked about was the overhead bathtub shot. Because it's one of those that it doesn't show anything that would, you know, you know, it doesn't show anything like that, but it's shot. And then again, with her running around, it's shot in a way that like, your brain almost naturally just tries to put the pieces together and it's it like it feels voyeuristic yes yeah and you're just that, like and why is julia nicholson naked like half naked and then all of yes. a sudden she is fully naked and yep. there's this film as a whole like a running theme is like people being naked but there's no reason for them to be 
Um, and I say people, but it's it's only ever women, I think. Um, there's only sort of one needlessly naked. There's only from what I remember, and I try not to remember anything from this movie. There's only one <laughs> male nudity shot, and it's mm-hmm. the studio head assaulting her. Yep. And but at least I see their narrative point in doing that. Whereas there are yeah. times where I'm literally like, where is her shirt? Like, did well, she like lose the it? Bobby scene that Adriano was talking about when yeah. he, like, first off, there's no reason for the camera to be like that, but it mm-hmm. immediately stops being that camera to her topless saying, Oh, hi, daddy. And I'm like, like, why are we the, there's why? no, there's no reason for the nudity is like, and I just got to say all the men who rated this five stars and are like yelling that women don't understand nudity. There is a way to show nudity in a movie specifically with women where it's like done properly. It just feels there's no reason for it. And it's distracting Mm -hmm. because it's constant. I also think that like it's they're not using the nudity to show sort of the way that Marilyn was sexualized or anything like that. And to do that to a figure who has been so overly sexualized to a point of, you know, sort of the loss of her humanity in a time when she was alive, I think is particularly horrific. Um, and again, I think like if we're if we just want to go all out and have a film with a lot of nudity, um, that should apply to everyone and not just the, the female characters. Uh, but I think that like my other big problem with it is sort of leaning into that, the way that the film is shot and particularly the way that she is shot in it. Um, because the film overall has a lot of scenes that do feel very voyeuristic. And that in itself is not a problem. It's the fact that they're not using that to do anything. And I think that like what we've all touched on is the fact that there are things about this movie that if it ever came to sort of a point, if it was actually trying to make a statement about the way that Marilyn was treated by Hollywood, a statement about the way that women today are still treated by Hollywood and by, you know, sort of the industry at large, then maybe they would be worth it or amount to something. But it feels like it never makes any sort of point at all. Um, yeah. And so that I think is why, like, even though we have these positives about it, like it, it feels like they're not in service of anything. And I think that particularly whenever you're depicting a real person and fictionalizing their life, you need to have some sort of a point to it if you're going to create all of these things that didn't actually happen. Um, well, I, I think that one of the things, um, going back to what you were saying about making it something that is about um, abuse in Hollywood and all of that, mm-hmm. it's also like one you said taking a real life person, but you're also taking a person who that's what their whole career was like perceived around and then making her into a martyr in a way that's like not like any good for their legacy. I mean, like for for as bad as I hate Bombshell, at least they like created someone new that was like yep. the embodiment of everything. And in this, they just took someone who had already gone through many struggles and we're just like okay let's add more onto her because you know she can take it or something like that and um yeah I think it was just using using her in this way felt very gross it's very exploitative yes 
Um, it, it feels too sort of like they're just cashing in on her name and her image in a way that people did over and over when she was alive. And the way that people um, still are doing now, exactly. a the whole dress thing that happened yep. this year. And it's such a good example too of just like, what happens when the rights to your image and your life end up in the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll move it over to Anna. What are some of your negatives about this movie? Kind of what everybody said already. Um, it's just, again, I said in my like first thoughts on Twitter that it just like left me so sad. And in in comparison, and I I don't mean to compare it to this film, but as a biopic, biopic, um, that was done really one of my favorites of the year at the time, Spencer. Um, Spencer starts saying with a title card that says I think like a fable from a true tragedy or something like that, and it just makes me so sad because people. And you know how people watch Netflix nowadays. It, they treat it like content, not films. They're not, you know, and they're not going to do research afterwards or whatnot. They're going to throw it on. Or will they? Because it's three hours and I don't know if people have the attention span for that. But um, they're going to throw it on. Plus, it's an NC-17 film on Netflix. Are people going to, is there going to be like a, a warning beforehand? Like a, that you have to click through or something? Because... I don't know many people that use like the kids Netflix account and this could, I don't know, this could traumatize many a person. Um, it did not need to be NC-17, but that's a whole And I don't know, it just makes me really, really sad because she already had this legacy. Everybody knows, you think of Marilyn and you think, you know, like again, Audrey, you think of her and her career and you think of her as like a super sweet person and she made all these films and sure she struggled you know through the war and all this stuff but it's generally like positive like oh like remember her and when a lot of people think of Marilyn it's like oh my god that sex symbol who got into drugs and all this stuff and then you know she died at 30 in her 30s and it's already her her story is already so tragic and you know, if you listen to interviews at the time or listen to people talk about her, she was a, she was funny. She was a comedian. She was good at her job. She was good at acting. She started her own production company. She did all these amazing things. And all people remember her for are these horrible things that happened to her and how she was treated and how the industry treated her and how she was shown. And yet we take that and it's like, oh, yeah, let's make this even worse. Well, and so, I think going going off what you were saying, and I think it is very interesting that this is the year that we get the Marilyn faux biopic and the Elvis biopic, because very similar careers, both perceived as being sex symbols um, in their respective genres, film, music, um, but then when it comes down to it, of course, Baz Luhrmann made Elvis with so much love and probably skipped over a lot of the more, you know, up in the air parts about Elvis's life, but he did it in a way to highlight and, um, you know, celebrate the career of someone who did change music forever. And I think in the same way, you know, Marilyn, even when she was, 
alive and working was always seen sort of like a sideshow. And you see it today with her still not being perceived as a historical figure like she should be and having, you know, her, her dress and be other stuff being like Ripley's believe it or not, rather than being in, um, you know, museums like they should be. And I think it is really telling to see like the complete opposite sides of what you do when you belittle someone's career versus what you do when you highlight um, the good parts of it. It's so funny when they, when they like, when we figured out these movies were coming out like back to back, essentially, I was like, wow, the actors on actors of Austin Butler and Ana de Armas is going to be insane. But like the way Austin Butler talks about Elvis is so different than the way Mm -hmm. that Ana de Armas talks about Marilyn Monroe, which like continues my like weird feelings about her now. I was so excited when she was cast because I thought it was like a really interesting choice and I feel like she never really had that opportunity to shine solely as like her own actress like she's always been in an ensemble or had like brief supporting roles like in No Time to Die but like this was like going to be like her big like lead actress moment and I feel like I lost all of that like excited feeling about it because of not only the way she talks about Marilyn, but like the way she talks about Andrew Dominic, it's like, I don't know. It's giving me like, you know, when actors are not excited about a movie they're in, which we're like clearly seeing a conversation with, with don't worry, darling. But like, they kind of just like, don't really comment too much one way or the other. They play the safe PR of like, not adding to the fire, but not like, over praising them it's like no she is overdoing it and I don't know if it's to be in the Oscar conversation or not but like it's just weird but Elvis is so interesting to like think about now because I had no connection to Elvis whatsoever and that movie did the opposite for me whereas like I watched like Viva Las Vegas, like right after, like HBO now has a bunch of Elvis movies. And I feel like it really like, it obviously didn't do what Bohemian Rhapsody did with Queen because Queen's music is much more accessible and modern versus Elvis. But like, I feel like it sparked an interest in people being interested in Elvis, whereas no one's going to walk away from Blonde, like wanting to watch anything with Marilyn because honestly, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Like I... It's, it just has like the opposite effect on her legacy and- It also going going quickly back to uh, to having people, you know, walk away from this wanting to watch other Maryland stuff. Um, I don't know if this is part of the book or what, but everything she was in, in the movie, uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blonde, like Some Like It Hot, like everything that she was in, she hated. At least that's so how it felt like I saw it. In the- in the book, they kind of, like, touch on her being, like, not wanting to do it and, like, tying it to her personal relationships at the time. Like, she doesn't want to do um, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes because Joyce Carol decides to have her in a threesome relationship. Um, which, Xavier Samuel being in both Elvis and Blonde is truly, like, the most bizarre thing that's ever happened. Like, I... I, I know it's not 
his agent's fault because these movies were never supposed to come out in the same year but it's just very weird like it is very weird like I was thinking about like what if Elvis gets like a SAG ensemble nomination I'm like is he gonna be there for like like talking about blonde like what but like it's just it's very bizarre but in the book it's the way she ties it to her personal relationships is not from what I know she was doing in real life I do know she had reservations about the seven year itch strictly because she was scared of Joe DiMaggio which um we haven't even commented on the fact that the book and the movie does not name anyone other than so they say Billy Wilder's name at one point. Do they say any other man's name? Because um, she, she I calls, think they just uh, call every other man daddy. She says Mr. Z when she goes to sign her contract, but like that's not like I don't think she ever says anyone else's name. But like it's just very disturbing like it is can i add just i hated hi Jimmy. um <laughs> the comment where she's watching her own film and everybody's standing up and clapping and then she goes you killed your baby for this because yeah. so, uh, okay let's just let's let, let's talk about the anti-abortion the uh, fetuses the and i'm gonna say this fully as someone fetuses. who my baby is literally turning one the day this movie drops on netflix how insulting of netflix um but i checked an app weekly as to the status of my pregnancy you know like what's going on the first maybe nine to ten weeks it looks like a it looks like a seahorse your fetus That's, is like i was gonna say my it is favorite a seahorse <laughs> my favorite why are they showing a full-term was her baby saying, uh was her saying as someone who had to look at a seahorse for 10 weeks like, they're showing a baby that could literally like that looks overdue like you're like wow my due date was three weeks ago and they're like here's this fetus that she literally hasn't missed her period yet uh, and there's... it's sentient okay it so it has a vocabulary it has a vocabulary so for me she gets this abortion which i gotta say all the reviews that are like it was a studio mandated abortion did we watch the same movie? Because she went to visit her mom, which she went to visit her mom. Jacob was watching this movie before I saw it. And I, I was telling him, because give me spoilers. I read the book. There's nothing, like the, Joe, Zoe knows. The book, I, it, I, I regret my life's, like the time I spent on that stupid book. But like, I'll never get that back. But um, like, her going to visit her mom this this woman did not see her mom as an adult like did this i have this quote pulled up because it drove me up a wall that andrew dominic said i'm aware of what happened in her life but i didn't use any of that in the movie are you are you kidding i understand adapting a book into a movie but like it's a real person what are you doing but so she goes to visit her mom in and a really intense mental institution and then decides to get the abortion. The studio helps her get it, but they're not like you have to get this abortion. So saying studio mandated abortion in people's reviews is a little 
offensive because that is not what Andrew Dominic is even showing like at all. But so then they show this abortion, which by the way, Jacob's watching this movie and he's texting me because that's the only way you can watch this movie. He's like, oh, the abortion cam isn't that long. Like it's like two seconds. And I was like, that's not what I heard. And he's like, oh shit, Eric just told me there's another one. I was like, there's two? There's two? <laughs> like, but also, this I is really, this I really is like after when... the, the sperm in the sky. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Classic. Classic. And then when she gets out of the bed after um, her abortion and she looks like freaking Carrie, like just oh, abortion bathed too. in yeah. blood. Abortion too from JFK, yeah. of course. Why is course. she bleeding from her okay. stomach after an abortion? Someone let me know. No, so it's not even that. <laughs> it's why, okay, wait, we gotta go through it linear, <laughs> unlike Andrew Dominic. So, <laughs> so she gets the first abortion from, you know, her threesome relationship. She does not know who the father is, by the way. She doesn't know if it's Charlie Chaplin Jr.'s son or Craig Robinson Jr.'s no, son. No, it's, it's just both the juniors. It's, it's all the same. The juniors. I love the line that I think it's Xavier Samuel literally says, we're the sons of men who don't want us. I was like, are you kidding? Are you kidding with this? Like, I literally, you know, when like sometimes you roll your eyes really hard and you're like, are they going to get stuck in the back of my head? Like 90 times in this movie. But um, so she gets an abortion from them, never sees them again. They, they literally are like, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. Sperm in the sky. She's so excited to tell them she's pregnant. Um, and they're clearly not thrilled. Let's just talk about how they're like, what the fuck? Like, we just wanted to have threesomes. Like, the way they paint the relationship is very bizarre. It's always Marilyn wanting more than anyone is giving her, which could be true and was most likely true with both Joe and Arthur, but, like, not the way they're showing it. It's very just disturbing. But so she gets an abortion, Um then she makes the movie and then like Anna says she's literally watching gentlemen prefer blondes and in a voiceover also the theater turns red which I still don't understand has he seen gentlemen prefer blondes why is the theater red like the screen is projecting like red like they're in Suspiria I was like what is happening is mothers here like I don't understand so then um she literally is like you killed your baby for this I'm like what in the pro like anti-choice pro-life pretend are what is going on here like what but then it somehow gets worse um i can't i was gonna say the second the second baby was the was the worst one is the the jfk abortion this is this is this is really wild is the jfk abortion before she gets pregnant by her husband no, no, no. I the JFK abortions. The JFK abortions. The <laughs> last the one. Fetuses. The miscarriage. The miscarriage comes in between. Because, okay, so then yes. she gets pregnant by her husband. Right. This is years mm -hmm. later, literally like a decade later. She gets pregnant by her husband. We're painted to believe she's in love and he loves her back, even though he makes Arthur Miller like. I don't know. I don't want to say, especially on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Um, but there's a little anti-Semitism going on with the way they wrote Arthur Miller. It's very strong in the book, like very strong in the book. But this is just, um, I don't I don't even know what to say about it. But uh, she's like it, cutting roses in her garden. And then um, she starts talking to someone and you're like, who is she talking to? Um, her baby, her fetus has a voice. I'm, 
I need someone to find out because IMDb has not been updated since like the movie hasn't been like officially released or whatever. But like, is the voice the same actress that's the child at the beginning? Like, is she talking to herself essentially is what he's trying to say? I feel like that might be possible. Right? Yeah. Um, But this is where you're like, this is not hiding that it's anti-choice. It is... um, her baby is like, are you going to kill me again? You're not, no, it's a, uh, it says you're not going to kill me this time, right? And then, and then she's like, no, that was a different baby. And then the baby, the baby says, no, it's the same one. It's, I'm it's always all the, the same. same. <laughs> Keep in mind, like, it's a different man completely. It's not the same man. What in the alt-right crazy conservative christian are you trying to say here like what i just i don't my theater laughed like i i have like a lot of comments about the girl i was sitting next to but like she laughed so hard like the whole theater was laughing i was like why is she talking to a fetus did you think people were going to be like moved and be like oh my god like that poor baby Zoe knows more I think because I haven't even thought about the book in so long but I'm pretty sure there's way more conversations with the fetus in the book yeah I was gonna say I like apparently there's only the two that you were mentioning but yeah I remember there being like frequent back and forth between her and the book yeah and it was very weird and like stylized and I was like what the hell are we doing right now (laughs) very like sci-fi like 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 yeah. why are we talking to a fetus like I don't and it's not in a way that's like oh she's like looking back on her life or like talking to this like trying to work through something like the fetus is like scolding her mm-hmm. and I'm like what but then she has a miscarriage which um she's wearing like an evening gown to the beach yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Then she she trips and then oh she... carrying a whole lot of fruit too okay <laughs> a huge tray of fruit or fruit tray so sad. and you like replay it as she's like falling and everything's like going in the air it's yep. like in slow-mo oh, yeah. and then she is like somebody help and then she's like my baby and then and then they show her stomach and it looks like she gets shot like it's like in her stomach it like expands full of blood like it's like pouring out of her i'm like first off does this man know does this man know what happens when you have a miscarriage like absolutely not like it's not in your stomach first off and you're not like gushing blood like like it's not that she's bleeding it's the way she's bleeding he truly said and then the baby comes out of her tummy (laughs) that's literally that's what my older brother told me happens like that's that's the vibe it's his birds and the bees talk from when he was like nine but there's not there's not um i did go look in the credits of the actual movie and i can't find anything about like baby this voice yeah I, I just want to point out, people who haven't seen this movie who are listening are so confused right now. All the okay, out-of-context stuff we're saying. I mean, same, though. Friend. I was confused watching it. Okay, touche. But I, was, like. I, I texted my friend. I was like, I don't know what's worse, like, the JFK, like, a kidnapped abortion scene or, like, 
something else. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But everyone stays ignorant and just chooses to just look the other way and not. Once again, I maintain you don't need to watch the movie. Just read Kenzie's review. You'll know everything that you need to know. Yeah. That's what I, I told just... my mom. <laughs> I... But for me, it was the... Um... You know, like we all grew up, Paris Hilton sex tape, we're all aware of it. So the night vision cam of her <laughs> getting vision of her getting kidnapped to go get the president's abortion. The Which, entire JFK sequence is the worst okay, part of the film, in my so opinion. Not I was prepared for I wasn't prepared. Nothing adequately prepares you for the way the JFK scene is shot. But the cut from JFK kind of like knocking her out unconscious to her waking up in a bathroom having a hard time peeing was, I, can the president's estate sue? Like, I don't understand. Like this guy played JFK and Jackie. I'm pretty sure it's all he really does. Cause I mean, the resemblance is like, whatever like it's insane also i'm so sorry but when she walks past and jackie's just like crying on the couch okay, and you see i didn't like... even know <laughs> it was supposed to be jackie i thought like it was just oh, somebody was like working there but like it is and i'm like so not only are we saying that jackie was present for all of this i feel like he's kind of like shuffling the blame for like the affair on jackie in a way then like that she's like aware of it and just sits there crying like it just felt very icky but for me it was like when um I don't even know how to talk about it in a respectful way but like he like shoves her head down after like you know not speaking to her because he's on the phone talking about other sexual assaults he's committed um which by the way like there was one person who accused JFK of sexual assault, but like the way this movie's like, he just kept raping everyone around him is a very weird take. Um, but so he's on the phone dealing with someone else accusing him of sexual assault as he's forcing her to perform oral sex on him. And um, there's a rocket launch playing on yeah. <laughs> in the background. Yeah. I was going to say the. Uh... You're ever like, did, did Andrew Dominic like have a really hard time with puberty? The answer is most <laughs> likely yes. No, like, it was like so crazy. It's like you could, I mean, like you didn't need to say like what was happening, but you could like context clues, but then he'd just show like imagery like over and over again. And I'm like, I think we get it. Like the stuff crashing into the buildings. I'm like, we don't need to see like 12 <laughs> different sequences of things. We hear the sounds the he's making. We get yes. the picture. Like, we, we get it. <laughs> And then um, when, so it's the second time they do something in a theater with Marilyn that really upsets me. The Niagara sequence was very disturbing to me. Yeah. Um, but this, like her, the way he filmed her with JFK and then it cutting to people watching it in a theater was just like, like, it's so disturbing. And I, you could say he's trying to have a comment or like a commentary on like, the way the world kind of watched this relationship and paid attention to it. But the thing is, that's not what he's doing. He's just showing you to be like, oh my God, like that's what he's doing. And then, so once she's at home, you're like, cool, she, she's done with JFK. But then it's night vision. She wakes up naked, by the way. Like, I, 
I, I understand women like, like, or anyone sleeping like in the nude, it happens. But like, I, I just felt really icky. And then it's like night vision. So it's weird. There's like a guy in her bedroom leaning against the wall, which was like one of the biggest jump scares of the year for me because I was not expecting some old man to be like in her bedroom. And then there's just men walking through her house. And then she screams as someone like picks her up. I don't know, it cuts to black. Then she's getting an abortion, but she doesn't know it's an abortion. It's the second time she's like screaming no while she's getting an abortion. And this is like the very graphic abortion scene. And um, I didn't need to see that. Like, it. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say it. I gotta say it. I'm really sorry. This is like full of subtweets but like saying that the point of view abortion thing was powerful is the worst thing I've ever read on Twitter I first of I'm sorry I don't really think men get to comment on like if an abortion point of view vagina shot is um powerful like I'm sorry there are certain things that like I just feel like you you don't get a say and if it's powerful or not. And second off, it is the opposite of powerful. It is so exploitive. It is so disturbing. There is not like one care in the world for anything that Marilyn went through. And what's crazy is I'm re-watching Mad Men for probably the 50th time. And that show is made by a man who has a very troubled personal life. But the way that they discuss abortions in that show is actually generally like really inspiring and powerful and like an adequate commentary on what women were going through trying to get abortions during this time period. And obviously that conversation is relevant now again, but like showing an abortion from inside a real woman's body is, there's no reason for that, especially when men are making it. I think about you know, obviously, like, those abortion scenes are really exploitative of Marilyn, and they're very disrespectful towards her and everything, but I also just think about, um, did he ever consider what women who have had abortions watching this film might feel? Because the answer to that is clearly no, or the more disturbing answer, which is, yes, he he did, and he wanted them to feel bad about it, but the way that they portray abortions in this is truly so horrendous, and that's another, like, trigger warning I want to put on this film, is, like, if you have any history with that, particularly, you know, if, if you had one and didn't, like, have great feelings about it, then, like, this is only gonna bring up a bunch of shit that, frankly, no film like this should be bringing up. It's like, it's very traumatic and it's exactly what you said, the way that it's done in a way where it's like, she chose her career over her baby. Like, first off, no. Second off, how insulting is it that like, he has her get raped by the president and then abort the president's baby? Like, are we like, even like, I saw like his interview with Deadline where he says just insanely terrible things but he was like i wasn't ever worried netflix wasn't gonna make this movie i'm like what Mm -hmm. i know Um, the book she gets around like lawsuits by calling him the prez the whole fucking book and like joe dimaggio's ex-athlete because all of their estates could sue and obviously maryland's could not but she spells maryland's name wrong in the book to avoid a lawsuit both Norma Jean and Marilyn Monroe. I'm like, great, great studios in there. But 
I just, for me, it was, why is she so bloody after an abortion? Like, he is clearly going for, like, the shock value of, like, look how bad abortions are. Like, she's so bloody. I'm like, first off, what? Second, this is, like, another scene where I was like, how does Ana de Armas think this is, like, powerful like she's like talking about feminism while she's like doing interviews about this movie i'm like girl have you seen the movie like don't worry don't worry because she went to her grave and asked permission and then went yeah she just said can i okay okay bye. Hey, you know life that's what we're gonna do you you know you experience it yeah we're gonna do that <laughs> so uh so I want to quickly move on to the the ending real quick. And I feel like Kenzie will have a lot of t- to talk about this, but the <laughs> ending with the, uh, the tearful father and the realization of who that is. And then the five minute runaround sequence and an abrupt like death. Okay. Can we just, first of all, he spends more time on her finding money to deliver this tip to deliver a tip to the delivery guy um it's like what like eight minutes of her <laughs> running around looking for cash to tip someone and i'm like you spent more time on that than her career like mm-hmm. i also would just like to say that i can't get over the weirdness of the shot of her like naked in the bed with her dog okay so i'm pretty <laughs> sure and if anyone watches this on netflix like zoe the work is on you is it her dog like anna de Armas's dog who, by the way, is named Elvis. Yeah, it's her dog. Okay, that makes sense because, but as someone with a dog and as someone who's lived alone having a dog, you, snuggling naked with your dog has to be the fucking weirdest trope I've ever seen in a movie. I don't believe anyone does it. I, that is so weird. I love my dog a lot, but I will never do that. (laughs) It, it, it's weird. And it's, it's not like, I don't know. It's just like one of those like, why is she naked? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I it it's weird. But I the mean, ending. the only thing I can like give him with that is that I do believe she was found naked in yeah her in her bed. Yeah. So like that's I believe that's the same like. It's like the only want... thing he he took. That's so the only I thing he took directly. Want... He's like um... he's like actually naked. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> again. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> He's like, I'm not lying about this one. <laughs> He's like, this um, is the one shot from the movie that's accurate. But but yeah, so but going back to it, I wanted to talk about the tearful father because that's really after the first abortion and when um, ex athlete uh, Bobby Cannavale joins the movie. It seems like from then on, it is all about her father and about the issues with her dad, um, which of course culminate in the, the there was never a tearful father line to come at the very end. Um, so that part of the whole thing of like when those letters start appearing is like also very insulting to her legacy as a successful actress because that is the part of the movie that kind of like switches to where like the studio is wanting her because this movie skips over a lot of like her career and her struggle to take off because it just kind of like starts with her really famous once it's on a Armas. but like she went back and forth between studios because nobody wanted her and then by the time like 
she was wanted like she was able to negotiate more terms and for a long time she wasn't able to dictate like what kind of movies she was doing which is why she's portrayed as like always like a sex pie and kind of like dumb and um after gentlemen prefer blondes which she was like kind of like really forced into like because she kind of thought it further perpetuated her as that stereotype but so like those letters starting to appear then when it's the same time in her real career when she started making more decisions like they don't show her but her starting her production company which like yes to Andrew Dominic's quote was short-lived but only because she was able to get it put into her Fox contract that she would get to dictate what script she did but like it's just like also once again pulling away from her career like she wasn't able to do anything without now her father writing her and scolding her for her decisions and the only scene I will give Andrew Dominic is that he does not show Joe DiMaggio beating her up he only like you can only hear the audio of it which is obviously just very disturbing but at least they didn't show it but I also am like did they film it because I have heard the opposite that it was shown and that it just didn't make it into the movie but them playing the letter from her to her full father while she's getting beat up by this man that her dad wants to meet him and how dare her not work it out is just I understand he thinks he's like highlighting like look at how the media painted her but the media didn't know like verbatim what was happening behind closed doors like it was very like rumored at the time and like soon after she died because of biographies being written but like it wasn't like Chris Brown and Rihanna where we're like they're like the whole world knew what was happening because like it was very evident like people didn't know and like people didn't suspect someone at the time that they really loved like Joe DiMaggio being like that so it's like so insulting to be like playing this audio someone saying I'm disappointed you couldn't make this relationship work because like people were doing that to her at the time and like I don't think people understood like she stuck around with him because of that so showing it in a way that just feels icky is not the power move he thinks it is of being like look how people treated her like you're just further treating her like that but I those letters every time they came through I was like and by the way I spent the whole movie thinking her makeup artist was Dennis O'Hare um it is not it's just some actor that looks so much like him I spent the whole movie looking for Scoot McNary who I don't think is in the movie I think that what I read is that Fox wasn't giving him the rights to show like to interlace Anna into the movies so they shot everything with actors including the um, some like it hot sequence like they shot it with an actor but then Fox eventually gave him the rights to the movies so then he just like interlaced Anna into the footage but I'm pretty sure Scoot is not in the movie because he's supposed to be in the seven year itch I literally texted Jacob I was like where is Scoot McNary like I did not see him but I just wasn't looking for him maybe he's in it in the seven year itch sequence but um the tearful father thing is just every time she has a moment of success these letters show up and it is just like constantly pulling the rug from out from under her which is obviously the theme of the movie but it's just like as as the audience as the audience I like by the time we figure out who the tearful father is I was like it was super obvious but are you fucking kidding me like Mm -hmm. 
why are you doing this to us? And then the book, as Zoe knows, goes into the conspiracy theories about her death that like the Kennedys were involved. I get the sense that he took a different path because I think he could get like sued if he went through with that. Mm-hmm. But the tearful father letters combined with like, why would this guy hold on to this doll? Why would this guy hold on to this doll? Did he strike then, anyone as like the guy that would hold on? He didn't even want the baby. Yeah, yeah. And then it just gets me at the end that like the tearful father realization is like, he's alluding to that's what did Marilyn in. And she's like, oh, this is it. Like I'm done. The catalyst in- for her ending her life. Yes. Instead of like all the, the actual trauma and hurt that she went through in the industry. And like, who knows? you know like what we don't know but for him to be like oh it was this it was her daddy issues like she really it's so you're alluding to that's that's what made her decide it is yeah that's what i thought was really weird about the movie because there's like no explanation for anything other than it all stems from having an absent father that's like never resolved but i was like i feel like it has to be more for these you know things to occur in her life um, and I just didn't like that that was the direction to explain like why she like not deserves it but like why this is happening to her and then like I just did not like that uh, choice of narrative. And like he leans into another conspiracy while ignoring the conspiracy from the book and he's like she killed herself and I'm like if anyone respects her would know that like at that time she was signing on to projects she was trying to move because she didn't want to be in the house she was living in because she didn't like the people around her. She had this doctor who was just writing her prescriptions like nobody's business and she was trying to get away from him. And I'm like, those are not signs of someone who was going to commit suicide. And anyone who is listening that has not listened to Karina Longworth's podcast, plugging Ryan Johnson's wife, but um, she has a podcast where she covers I think she does like four episodes on Marilyn Monroe um, and you must remember this, but there, there were just such strong signs she did not commit suicide and it was most likely just an accidental overdose. But the way she dies in this movie, she is drinking. She's taking one pill, 10 minutes later takes another pill. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, it is so, it, even her death cannot be something that's just like peaceful. Like he makes her death very hard to watch which is fine to do it is fine to make someone's death hard to watch but it's like you can't even send her off peacefully Mm -hmm. like it is just and you know he thinks the final shot is very like peaceful but I'm like why is there a ghost why is there a ghost Mm -hmm. why is Marilyn's ghost here it's probably literally Marilyn being like fuck this movie (laughs) well also there's like that sequence when it's like her that picture of her dad and then it's like is it the stars like I thought that was the ending and I was like okay like we got somewhere and then it kept going on and I was like pick one I saw him like I think it's in the deadline interview where they like bring up that like an editor was brought in at the end to like make better edits to the movie he's like that happens on every movie I'm like not when it's done bro like not (laughs) when it's literally done they don't bring in someone else like I just, I don't know. It's giving, um, like, 
you know that Jamie Lee Curtis video of like trauma, trauma, trauma. Like that mm-hmm. is this movie. Like that is this movie. Um, and it's just like I know I already said it, but they there were elements in here that were so good. Look at the people involved. Look at who they had. And so for this, it just makes it even more sad when I finished it because I was like, look at what you had. Like the. This is kind of me that's totally separate idea, but like with Empire of Light, I'm like, you had Olivia Coleman. Like, look at the cinematographer you had. You had all this, and then like, it could have been like, and it wasn't. And well, I, mean, I, I feel as. Sorry. Sorry? Oh, uh, even seeing it in a theater, like the sound design, like, mm-hmm. was like a part that I wasn't expecting it to be so good. And like what you're saying, like, there's so many good aspects of it, but like, it just. Yes. Kinda- so that makes it together. even if it all were trash I would be like oh well you know like I'll forget about that but like it's just so sad because there was so much potential and then it, they just did everything wrong with it and again comparing it with Elvis and like what that did for his image and his legacy and his fans and maybe it made new fans it made you it made Kenzie watch a new film of his like that she hadn't seen before I don't think you had but it's just so sad and people are going to be victims of this on Netflix and be like what the hell is this probably not finish it and probably it won't cause them to watch a Maryland film and that's just that's really sucks truly the amount of people who are going to watch this on Netflix and not even make it like 40 minutes of I the trailer is so misleading like because like my friends are like oh a blatant liar my friends were asking me how it was and I was like I don't even know how to describe this. Like, there's just suffer. Like, she's just literally suffering. Like, you're like, yeah. please, someone save her or like end it. Like, it's just so. It just really plays with your mind. And then I'm like, what was the trailer? And it's just like all these glamour shots. And I'm like, imagine being like a consumer who like you're not on like film Twitter. Like, you're not following anything. You see this um, trailer, and you're like, oh, what a nice like little movie. And there's like not even any trigger warnings on like the abortion or just the constant abuse so i'm like i would i couldn't even imagine like a normal like netflix subscriber like stumbling upon this and being like it's one of those things it's one of those things that i feel like as like andrew dominic and like the producers and stuff they probably assume that the nc-17 rating is the trigger warning but again it's on netflix so it doesn't like anyone can just go ahead and watch it so, like, the thing that's really frightening to me is um, teenage boys finding this movie on Netflix um, and not realizing that it's rape and that it's, like, assault. Because for me, the JFK, like, the rape scene with the um, studio head is very much, like, clearly rape. Mm-hmm. But... The scene with JFK, I think it's like an issue of consent and it's very much rape, but it's one of those things I think that people who are not familiar with sex or consent or any conversation about that are just going to watch this and think that is appropriate. And it is insanely disturbing. And it is very much not Andrew Dominic's fault that it's on Netflix, but it's like, there is nothing prohibiting. I mean, as of recording, Netflix has not said anything about there being some like sort of safety net to like not just let any viewer watch this. Mm-hmm. But like, it is NC seventeen, and like, it's just so disturbing that kids are just gonna like find this. And anyone who's saying like, 
because like Anna was saying like you it no one even really uses the kids settings on Netflix like and kids know their way around it like pretending kids don't know how to be like goodbye parent controls is well, that absolutely was the whole, insane like meme about like when TiVo and like the whole like Comcast and guide and everything was put in like I remember growing up like we would just bypass that like super easy and my parents just gave up trying to put the parental controls on there because it's like at what point like there's nothing you can do and it's just Mm -hmm. so disturbing and I just think like this movie warrants a conversation clearly we've been talking forever but it's just like it is so awful and not even worthy and I'm just like embarrassed people are giving this five stars it's like I don't know. I just feel like people, not to quote Britney Spears, but also like this movie coming out in the midst of everything happening with Britney and like Brendan Fraser being in the conversation and everything he went through in the industry, like it could have had something to say and it just like says nothing. And it's just like, I feel like people are just trying to be like artsy fartsy and they're like, oh my God, look at the grading. Like, like no, no. no um, that's what I, I was going to say that about the guys giving it five stars because I feel like there's still this opinion that female trauma is like art, like inherently. And like, that's the thing, like all the five stars I've seen on Letterboxd are from men. Um, and then like every female reviewer has given it like half a star, one star. And it's like, okay, this movie isn't telling anything new to a woman. And that's why they're the ones who are saying this is trash because it's like, oh, well, society's really shitty to women, especially in the industry. No, pretends to be shocked. Like, that's crazy. It, like It feels like um, men think that female trauma directed by men is art and female trauma directed by women isn't, which I think says a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I literally sent a message to my whole grad school group chat being of my friends being like, hi, PSA, don't watch this movie. Um, I told them not to watch Two Revenge instead. Um, I'm also, just because... Also like... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I genuinely think that this film is like, harmful and can be very harmful for a lot of people because as we've said like there are a lot of potential triggers in here and for the sake of nothing like it's not like it's trying to make some point or or you know say anything with any sort of morality to it it feels like a very irresponsible film it feels less like it's making a point about the stuff as opposed to just stripped contributing to it. Like that's how Mm -hmm. it feels. And also I really, I know we kind of addressed this earlier, but like, I really think it's like very fucked up that they don't have like a, like, Oh, this isn't real by the way. Like this is because like definitely, you can definitely like see someone watching this and be like, wow, I can't believe this all actually happened to Marilyn Monroe. And like, initially I was going to be like, initially I was going to like tell my parents because I'm a terrible son. Initially I was going to be like, oh, it's just like Bohemian Rhapsody. You should watch it. But like, because I do that shit all the time to them because I'm terrible. But I was genuinely like, you guys should avoid this. Like, this is a terribly harmful movie. And with Spencer, like Spencer is nowhere, even a percentage of horrible and triggering that blonde is. But Spencer even has a title card. And like when when that film tackles like her like eating disorder and stuff, it's done in a way that shows her pain, how she's dealing with her life, what she's going through. And it it contributed to her story and you felt empathy for her. But she also has triumphs in that too, like with 
her sons and there's happy moments of her like running mm. on the beach and like it actually meant something because she had her ups and she had her downs and it like but still with Spencer people thought that this was all like real like it all happened I had like friends who saw it and they were like can you explain this because I'm confused and if people thought that which even had a title card that said like hey this is a fable you know based on like a true tragedy and people still like took it literally I can't even this is going to be such I dumpster yeah there's a lot of like men on film tiktok that like have huge followings and they keep promoting it as like a biopic and i'm like it is not it is a fictionalized historical account and i like the fact that you have millions of followers and you're pushing this out to people that are not going to like look it up that it is a real story and i'm like it's just so it's just like i'm just like jail like no like you cannot get away with having this much of an influence on people and what they're watching and call it a historical accurate representation of Marilyn Monroe when I also know they have not seen the movie and I'm just like we got to stop we got to put a title card we got to put out a PSA like it's just so bad yeah and like you're always gonna have certain fictionalized elements in a biopic but that's different than like completely making up somebody's life like there's no reality to be found here pretty much and I don't know, I just think that's really problematic that suddenly, like, even in death, we don't control our stories. And these people who have already been wronged so much while they lived are then, like, further, like, kicked and spat on, you know, when they can't even defend themselves. And that's really eerie, I think, to be in that, like, post-truth, like, environment. And I just, it makes me just feel so bad for her, her family, her estate. Like, it's it's tragic. And like I, we, we brought up Elvis a couple of times and I do, I do think as someone who isn't a fan of that movie, my issue with how they addressed him was that he was like kind of mythologized in a way, but they still at least, and I didn't like that, but at least they acknowledged like his, you know, his, uh, his, what he added to music, culture and history blonde. It's just, they feel like they're just perpetuating this. I don't want to say romanticization, but like, the opposite of that word of um, of Marilyn Monroe, and it's like, why are you making this? Like, why is this movie being made? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I get, like, I'm not saying her life was perfect by any means, but like, Jesus, give the woman like, like there was, I think there was maybe the only moment I felt a little bit of relief was like, I think like during the Adrian Brody moments for the most, like for the majority of it, and, and that and that quickly turned around. It's like. Even when she, like, first meets him, he's kind of, like, testing her knowledge and if she's, like, a smart person or not. And I'm, like, everyone, including his biography, says this is not, like, what happened. Like, Mm -hmm. he's completely infatuated with her and just worried about, like, how famous she was. And that was kind of it. And, like, as the... Like, this is the part that really bothered me with him is that, like as their relationship went on when she finds like that paper in his typewriter what she really found was his notebook saying that she was dumb and he thought she was an angel but she's really a whore and like it was very brutal and like literally like that's what ended their marriage not her having a miscarriage and then that's the other thing for me in this movie every time a relationship ends it's always like like viewed as like Marilyn's fault and then you never see them again like you never see Joe. You never see. You never even seen the 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 guys that she's in the throuple with. You the never juniors. Other than 
when Joe DiMaggio's with them and he's they're he's blackmailing her with like naked images it is so bizarre and just I don't know it just like further perpetuates like this like fetish fetishization of like her as like a sex symbol and just like constantly having issues with men and that it's like all her fault essentially and it's like he could have started it out with the way it actually starts with like the childhood trauma and like her being in an orphanage which they like show and then kind of like disappear they skip over her marrying someone at 15 years old like I just you could have shown that that stuff deeply affected her and then the way the industry chewed her up and spit her out kind of like for its own enjoyment was like the cause of her death but it's literally like this made up like no I miss my dad that I've never met and I also just like, I will never say it publicly. I will text everyone my thoughts on who this movie thinks her dad is. But like, I just am like, it's so dishonest. And like, there's no care or empathy for Marilyn as a person or her legacy. And like, with both Spencer and Jackie, those movies show them in deep, traumatic pain. But they also show, like Anna was saying, having like highlight moments and like having moments of joy and having moments of things that they fulfill themselves. And there's respect for both of those subject matters. Whereas you're watching this, there is no respect nor empathy for her whatsoever. And it's exactly what Zoe was saying. It's just spitting and kicking on her while she's down and she's dead. She cannot defend herself. And everyone is making jokes that Anna's arm is visiting her grave is very Lady Gaga. And I'm like, you're missing the point that Lee Strasberg literally trained Marilyn Monroe. But the movie also misses that point. Like, <laughs> I just, like, even they show her at the actor's studio, but they don't acknowledge it's the actor's studio from what I remember. But they show her there and she gives this beautiful performance that turns Adrian Brody's character around on how he perceives her. But they don't show the performance. Yeah. It's just, it's so disheartening. And it's like Anna was saying, there's like all these wonderful aspects that could have been a beautiful movie, but they just chose not to. And then it kind of takes away from how beautiful some of it is. Like the imagery where it's exactly what you remember, like those iconic photos of her and Arthur Miller when she's pregnant in the blue dress with the polka dots, like those are iconic images because she looks so beautiful and carefree and finally happy. And the movie like taints those for me because it uses them to not only perpetuate this like anti-choice argument, but like, it just feels so icky they did this in the movie with the context of the movie. It's the same thing that Anna was saying about the score. Like, can you really listen to it without having like PTSD of watching this movie? Mm -hmm. Like I just, Netflix is gonna have to fund a lot of therapy for a lot of people. Like that's, that's yeah so so you guys kind of already answered my next question which was um examples of biopics that aren't highly accurate but um well done so i will skip that can i Uh, can i add one real quick because we have another one this year okay what weird is a highly fictionalized biopic but done in a style that honors everything that Weird Al has done in his career Mm -hmm. and is very open about how fictional it is 
you know, in how it is filmed. Like, it's so ridiculous that you know it's not true. It's, yeah, you're not, you're not like, you could watch and be like, oh, well, he's messing around. Like, he didn't actually. Exactly. Weird Al yeah, in it for like a second. Like, doesn't he push yeah. someone? Like, yeah. 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 And it just, it's such a <laughs> great example of like, yeah, you can make this biopic that sort of isn't true, but honors a person's career and who they are as a person. Um, and there's a way well, to do I, that. And it actually turned out super fun and cool. I and think that's exploited. the whole thing about having the person, which I get having the person who the, the biopic is about can skew it in a way. But I think if we look at like the Rocket Man, Bohemian Rhapsody level of it, where Rocket Man, um, Elton John was mm -hmm. there and he was very open of being like, yes, like mm -hmm. tell my story in a very fictional way, of course, mm -hmm. but he was like, tell my story, like get it out there versus Rocket Man, where it was, or versus uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, where it was Queen and Brian May just basically saying like, hey, like this is the story you have to tell or we're not going to let you make the movie. How um, dare him be bisexual? How dare yeah. him? Adam um, Lambert I also think not seeing heaven. From this year, another good, highly fictionalized biopic is um, Chevalier, which mm -hmm. um, is uh, about Joseph Bologna, which is another, it's a sort of a different situation that like, we just don't know that much about him. So they obviously had to fictionalize it, but I'm always here for, if you want to fictionalize a nice little romance into your biopic to be able to show what a person achieved in their career with like a more palatable, let's all go to the movies type of movie then I'm like, sure, why not? Um, but another example of still, you can tell that the intention was to lift up this person. And I think that's particularly important if you're making a biopic about someone from a marginalized community, um, whether that's, you know, a non-white person or a woman or whatever, um, which I think is part of my issue with Blonde is, is it's that whole thing of like the world already treated her so poorly. We don't need a filmmaker to do that too. You know, what's a really good example that Nicole and I were talking about previously um, is Marie Antoinette. Great biopic, all vibes, no plot. Um, I think that's what Andrew Dominic thinks he was doing, to be honest. Yep. Like, because there is a plot throughout Marie Antoinette, but you're kind of just like flowing in space with what's happening. Like, there's no like plot A, B, C, D. Like, it kind of just like has points it hits, which is kind of what... I think if there was a better editing in Blonde, you could say is happening. But like, that's a great movie where I'm 85% positive none of this stuff ever happened. Yet, like, <laughs> I don't really care. Like, it it is very fictionalized. Like, it is very much upfront that it is not true. And it but also I do think like it is a good job of honoring like, yeah. the woman that Marie Antoinette was like as as of. French historian um it still I actually think gives like a decent idea of who she was and what she went through and the challenges that she faced as a woman in that time period in the monarchy and I think that like that's where Blonde really fails it's, it's not that I'm like super opposed to a fictionalized take on Marilyn's life I just am if your only point of it is to make trauma porn mm -hmm. yes basically watch smash yes um... <laughs> but being we are oscar central we have to talk about the oscars chances um and i'm going to go ahead and tie this in with the uh entire netflix slate in general just because um we are running long 
and uh, we could keep going for forever about this. Um, but Netflix this year doesn't have, at least at this point, a major player. Um, I guess I'll start with Zoe. Where do you feel like Blonde falls on the um, on the chart of Netflix players? Do you think there is any chances uh, for it to break through? Maybe on a Armas, maybe uh, costumes. Uh, what's your thoughts about that? And honestly, if you want to just give your thoughts about the entire Netflix slate this year as a whole, uh, feel free. Yeah, so I think when it comes to Blonde, the biggest issue is that I struggle seeing many voters get all the way through it. Um, for as acclaimed as Anna's performance is in some circles, um, I just don't know. I think it's such an inaccessible movie, um, like even more so than like Spencer got tagged with last year because of all the content in Blonde, um, that that will be a significant hurdle for it. So I am not really thinking it breaks through anywhere. Um, I think maybe you could see some guilds go for the makeup, maybe the costumes. Um, I don't really think the cinematography just because it's such a stacked field this year. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just really struggling to see people rally around it because I think it's going to get hit so hard. Um, and otherwise, when it comes to Netflix's big contenders, um, I think Barda was kind of out of it now. <laughs> um, I know that was like our go-to at the start of the season. Um, but outside of like international and maybe cinematography, I think that's another film that's probably going to be a bit too arty um, for most of the Academy and most voters across the industry. Um, I'm going back and forth between Glass Onion and All Quiet on the Western Front right now. Um, I a Glass Onion I've been back and forth on just because it did seem like mostly a populist picture. So I wasn't sure like what the awards angle was, but it's clearly just so beloved. I think people love the Knives Out franchise. I think people love Ryan Johnson. I'm like placed at TIFF. Um, it has great reviews. I can totally see it get adapted screenplay. And I think you know, with Michelle Williams out of supporting actress, who knows, with Janelle Monet, where she'll land. So that's always a possibility. Um, and then when it comes to All Quiet on the Western Front, I think that can really be big with the reception that it's already gotten thus far. I think Netflix just really has to go all in on it. And I think that it was kind of unexpected for it to be as acclaimed as it was. So if they do really throw, the chip, throw all their chips on that now, they can totally rack up a lot of tech noms, like when it comes to sound and, you know, maybe cinematography, maybe production design. And then, you know, it's in the, could be in the directing conversation. You never know. Um, and then, yeah, I think Descendant is probably their best um, documentary play. Um, that's a tight field this year because you have Navalny, you have Fire of Love, um, you have the film that won the Golden Line at Venice, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Um, but a Descendant, I've heard amazing things about. I didn't get to catch it at Sundance, but I know a lot of people have really raved about it. It's really topical. Um, so that's another big contender for them. And then, of course, Pinocchio, um, which I think is by far and away. Um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, yeah. we, have to, we have to say. Yes. We don't want to talk about the, the fast like Pinocchio. <laughs> yes. Yes. GDT, Reppenham. Um, I think that is by far and away the animated feature frontrunner. I've actually seen a little bit of uh, Strange World. I think it looks good. Um, I'm not sure it's like one of Disney's strongest like plays um, that they've had in recent years, but you never know with the Mouse House. Um, so I have GDT right now at number one. Um, but yeah, I think that's where everything's at for now in September, but you never know. Yeah. 
Uh, going on Pinocchio, I still have it in my top 10 for picture because I'm not giving up on it. Um, but Nicole, if you wanted to talk about All Quiet for a second. Um, you know I do. Where, where you think uh, that yeah. movie could fall. So I definitely um, agree with everything that Zoe said. I think that All Quiet is where Netflix should put their money right now because I think that it is their best shot at getting into the most categories out of any film. I think that Glass Onion stands a good chance in um, adapted screenplay and supporting actress, maybe even picture. Um, hey, if they wanted to push General Craig, go for it, see what happens. And obviously white noise is still kind of a question mark at the moment. Um, but I think that All Quiet stands a really good chance of getting into obviously international feature, um, but also into sound, production design, score, um, hair and makeup. Uh, and then director, picture. I mean, once you're like, racking up that many it's sort of like don't stop there um and I think that All Quiet is something that all of the awards voters are likely to watch um in that it's it's getting hype and it is based on a you know very popular novel that had a previous best picture winner adaptation but back in 1930 so it's not like it sort of is getting those comparisons I think that the visual effects in it are actually really good I think that it also is sort of the war type of war story that resonates with people right now um, in that it is very anti-war. So I think that's going to help it too. But it, I think if Netflix is smart, that's what they'll push right now. Um, yeah. Uh, does anyone else have any opinions on, um, on the Netflix slate? I'll just kind of open it up uh, for um, anyone. So really Netflix right now, it feels like Netflix is like not on the best track right now in terms of awards, honestly, because everything mm -hmm. we're saying is based on hypotheticals. It's not like a few years ago where we're like, like last year, it's like, oh, perfect. They have uh, Power of the Dog. They got Don't Look Up. They got Tick, Tick, Boom. This year right now, we're like, oh, maybe they'll push this. Maybe they'll push that. It's like, like my, my take, like, first of all, I do think that Anadarmus does have a shot because in my, because the way I look at it is if it, if, that performance was in a different movie. We'd all have her in like a three. Um, so I do think she has a shot, even though the movie might fuck her over. Um, but also it's like, what other actress contender do they got? You know what I mean? I, and same thing goes to actor. That's why I still have Adam driver pretty high. It's like, what, uh, what other options? That's why have? I moved Daniel Craig up. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Cause <laughs> I mean, he's going to get, the, he's going to get the globe. No, he is. He mm -hmm. could get a BAFTA nom. From it mm -hmm. uh, I mean they love him there so but yeah yeah but, I mean I was I, I remember when I saw all quiet in the western front and I was like oh this has the stuff like this has like the stuff of a best picture nomination I actually I put it in instantly I took the gamble instantly after I saw mm -hmm. the movie and it does like I, I even said to a couple of friends I was like if all quiet gets a picture nom I think Top Gun sound team should get nervous mm -hmm. um because it does do some really interesting stuff with its sound, not just, you know, pew, pew gun sounds. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you yeah, know, All Quiet definitely has a, um, it has a great haul attached to it, you know, like everything that Nicole said. Um, it, But, you know, uh, there's an obvious obstacle to get there. Like Netflix, it needs the push from Netflix. And then you have Glass Onion, which 
I the, again, another, again, its obstacles are obvious. It's also, it's a sequel. It's you know, it's a very populous movie. You know, and which you know, in theory, could help it. But like, this is like very like what's the word I'm looking for? Um, very like like for entertainment purposes, which is I love it. But you know, that's what it was made for. Um, and also, it doesn't have the best hall in the world. Like, you know, yeah, adaptive screenplay is basically guaranteed at this rate. Um, it does have potential for production design, supporting actress, and all that. But, you know, it, it's like the first one was close enough that I definitely can see it. But it, I'm having, a, I'm, I'm struggling to actually put it in my 10. But yeah, no, this Netflix, I'm not expecting the best things for Netflix this year, except for unless they, unless they push all quiet, like, which they need to do. Or Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, okay. They need Touché. to throw Touché. their Pinocchio. money at Pinocchio and All Quiet. I'm just saying, look, if they, watch, if they watch that behind-the-scenes video, there's no way they can't get a production design nod. <laughs> they can nominate That's that for live-action short. Yes, so exactly. Bulgari versus Taylor Swift versus Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Please. That's please. what we need. I would like to see it. <laughs> Um, I think um, like this year definitely is not strong for them and the acting thing as we all said I think definitely it's a big technical push for everything um, I'm, I'm like kind of wondering I think I have zero Netflix actors being predicted yeah because right I don't really like Adam Drive. I don't know I feel like his marriage story was so good that I don't know if like white noise is gonna like amount with like that for voters based on like prior bomb back um, I do think All Quiet on the Western Front is probably the lead and has the same kind of story almost as Top Gun Maverick of just like how filmmaking has um, advanced from like, you know, Top Gun had 1986 to 2022, All Quiet on the Western Front, 1930 to 2022. Um, and that the original, I, I will say this every time, is a masterpiece and I love it. So I'm like, I think they just really have best picture potential with that. Um, and I do think the story resonates. I think Bardo is a director's film. I do see like the directors coming together to kind of push that um, in the different guilds. Uh, but like, I don't know, that one is just very questionable. Um, but I just don't see any strong acting choices with this lineup. I think it's all definitely going to be technical um, I mean, like blonde, like I think it's that the aspects of like hair and makeup and sound design, weirdly, like from the theater perspective, I think it's just is the main draw of the film on things I would give it a good, like, I don't know, review for, but I don't know. Like, I just, it's kind of disappointing to see where they were last year and where they are now. And now I'm like, what is next year going to be? Like, what direction are they really going in? It, it's oh, funny because well, next, uh, next year they'll have they'll have quite a bit. It, it's funny because last year I did a um like a like a fantasy pool and I got Netflix for one of my studios and I absolutely demolished. This year I'm like I should probably not pick Netflix this year. Yeah, um, I feel like so they any... just like capitalized on like so much, but like they didn't pay attention that there's a lot of overlap. Like they have at least seven things that could contend for adapted screenplay. I don't how like now you have to pick one like you can't like get them all in and it's like the same thing with like none of these movies are really like other than blonde or like singular acting plays like I haven't seen white noise but it sounds like none of their performances are like the best of their careers and like in a year where like you have people like 
Brendan Fraser and like say what you want, but people still are talking about Hugh Jackman's performance in the sun. So like I, I do want to caveat still, though like, that especially with Michelle Williams's ill-fated leap to lead. There I, I do think Janelle Monet stands a very good and shot. Janelle Monet has a really good track record of being exactly her nominees. Like yep. she is very much someone the Academy has seen repeatedly and if Mm -hmm. like this is like a showcase for her that's a really good opportunity to get her her own nomination without Um, spoilering anything I cannot stress the way in which what she does in this film is fantastic she she has she has a Oscars cheat which like Mm -hmm. a performance cheat which uh could give her the edge Mm -hmm. and like they're like most of the films that are in contention for supporting actress it's like multiple women so it's Mm -hmm. like from the same film so I'm like that's a really good shot for her but I just am like really confused about what Netflix's strategy was specifically but I personally have not taken Bardo out of a lot like I think it's like on the lower spectrum of everywhere I have it but like I can't ignore like the amount of directors that have come out speaking out about it that I'm like what if it's like literally like the last thing in in certain categories so like Mm -hmm. until but I also am in the camp that I think them editing it down hurts it because people are like you weren't that confident in it so it's a really weird year but I think that Pinocchio and All Quiet and then Glass Onion are like should be like their core focus which I'm so sorry to say that to Noah Baumbach like I love you and I'm really excited to see White Noise but like sorry but I just, well, I'm just saying year. in their boxes, they need to make a movie edition of All Quiet the Novel and send it to everyone. So yeah, they should contact get on that Netflix, please. This box together. But like Glass <laughs> Onion is like the typical like crowd pleaser film that they can like really push. And then like Pinocchio is like, I think they should package the Disney one and send it out to people with <laughs> this one because like, they need to show even all that, the versions they released this year they should put them together literally. And, yeah. mm-hmm. because even them. that making of feature or like clip or whatever he says we're we're very confident in this iteration will be like the most ma- i'm like oh my god he is subtweeting he is throwing shade the like, went all out like our pinocchio does not smell horse shit <laughs> <laughs> I finally, finally saw the clip out of context on Twitter of the horse poop, and I just have so many questions. But All Quiet, to me, seems like Netflix's international play that's going to break into director, picture, and various other categories. But I am wondering, like, I can't predict Pinocchio, Glass Onion, and All Quiet to all get into adapted screenplay. So I'm like, you got to pick one. You got to pick one. And then I'm really sad about The Wonder because I've been really excited about it. And I just wish that smaller movies like that that find their homes on Netflix could break into the conversation, but they're not able to. Same thing with um, Lady Chatterley's Lover because I am very excited for that movie. And I just feel like those could be really amazing, like very small movies to crack into adapted screenplay, but they have no shot because Netflix has Glass Onion, Pinocchio, and all the Western Front. It's just like they need to spread things out to where like they give the opportunity for like various things to get in various categories. But like now it's like they have to make a decision on what they're doing because they have too much. And 
all of it is from like well-known filmmakers and I'm like you're not gonna be able to pull this off again so all of the nominations that we've said that Blonde could get are ones that The Wonder should be getting instead I agree I Um, I want to say like I don't want to repeat everything that you guys have been saying because I agree like Glass Onion potentially adapted I I did not get to catch All Quiet yet but um, I will most likely agree with everything you guys are saying. But I just wanted to highlight the wonder a little bit because I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the performances, the story. I was like glued to the screen the entire time. Um, the production design, albeit like kind of minimalistic, um, is beautiful. Um, I just, I really yeah, well, the the beginning and the end is just a highlight of the production design. <laughs> there you, exactly. It's so unique and refreshing. And I, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. And um, at my screening, the director came out and talked about how, like, stories versus, like, faith and religion and, like, the, the harm that, like, what you choose to believe to be true is and how powerful that is on, like, the human it's just a lot more than it's it deserves a lot more than it's getting and although I don't think it's going to break into uh you know any huge categories of categories at all I just wanted to highlight it because I enjoyed it a lot and that's that's where we're going to end uh which should make Nicole happy because we're going to end with the wonder um I have a long list so bear with me uh adriano where can people find you online uh, you can find me on twitter at uh, adrian caparuso um and i would plug my youtube channel but that's on hiatus until my computer isn't bad <laughs> uh jillian where can people find you um you can find me on twitter at jillian chili and you can find me on tiktok at off screen with jillian uh nicole where can people find you you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman16. Kenzie, what about you? You can find me at Kinsvenunu on all social media platforms except Letterboxd because I made one for my daughter Daisy, who is turning one this week. And I've just been logging what we watched together. But we're finally getting back into movies. And has she been we- logging what she's watched without you? She has. Um, she's logged Miss Rachel's. Never mind. Nobody's gonna read that. Um, <laughs> anyone who is a child will know who Miss Rachel is. Um, but we are planning on watching Lady Bird on her birthday, Aww. which was the very last movie I watched before I had her. So full circle mm-hmm. moment. Um, Zoe, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at Zoe Rose Bryant. And finally, uh, Anna, thank you as well for coming on. Where can people find you? I wish I made it simple like everyone else and just had one, you know, user. But uh, you can just find me on Twitter at It's Aim Media, and I'll keep it at that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at tberry 57 You can find me on Twitter uh letterboxed wherever else you want to find me um you can find the show online on twitter at oscars underscore central you can find us online at oscarcentral.com where we have reviews now just like this show um and a whole bunch of other stuff coming up and 
I guess I think that's it. And until next time, that's the show.